The Giants made a trade, but was it the right move? Our buddy, longtime New York Post columnist Steve Serby, joins us to talk about the trade deadline and preview Big Blue's battle with the Cowboys at MetLife Monday. We also chat with two-time Super Bowl champion and member of the Giants' Ring of Honor, Mark Bavaro. All that and more next on the Blue Rush Podcast with the New York Post. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to Blue Rush, a New York Giants podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host, Jimmy Fallon. Come join us for brand spanking new episodes Mondays, recapping Sunday's game, and Thursdays previewing the game ahead. We will take you inside the locker room straight from our wonderful team of New York Post Giants writers with our pals Paul Schwartz and Steve Serby. We'll also be joined every week by current and former Giants players and coming soon, Giants celebrity fans. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's get the ball rolling. Yo, 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 Jimmy Fallon, back in the house for another big week of Blue Rush. It's a fantastic football podcast, but it's starting to become a self-help show with this 2-6 and six record we've got heading into the Monday Nighter against the Cowboys. Uh, a, a, big, a big week for the Giants, anyway. Uh, they acquire Leonard Williams from the New York Jets, of all places. Now, I do applaud the move because we need someone who can get to the quarterback. He was a sixth pick in the 2015 draft by the New York Jets. He's got 17 sacks in five seasons. It's not exactly LT numbers, but at the end of the day, anything that gets the other quarterback on, the ba- on his back half as much as Danny Dimes has gone down this year is something I can support. I mean, let's be fair. I love this team, but Giants quarterbacks have gone down easier than a Kardashian on a first date. Now, some people, they have concerns. Did it make sense for the Giants to trade a third and a fifth round pick just to get a rental? You know, it could become a fourth-round pick if they sign him to a long-term deal. A lot of people are on the fence about this. So what I do in times like this is I go to my football magic eight ball. I shake it up and bring in the great Steve Serby, a writer for the New York Post, and a beloved co-host of this fine program. Good morning to you, Steve Serby. Good morning, Jimmy. How are things? I'm great, and I'm going to keep this quick. I understand you've got to drive out to Florham Park, New Jersey, and go see the Giants practice. Is that correct? Uh, well, Jets practice. The Giants oh, are still oh, in East Rutherford. Oh, okay. I, would, I wasn't sure about that. All I was going to say, Serby. This jet, this jet trade really has gotten you uh, disoriented. I'm, I'm a little discombobulated this morning, um, but I love, I, I support the trade, um, but I did want to say this to you. Um, the people who are concerned about what we gave up, I feel like it's such silly speculation because, yes, these picks can matter, but we don't know that they do. We know the value of a Leonard Williams, and we know the need we have as a pass rush. So I'm in favor of something like this because you're basically acquiring a known commodity for speculation. Can you get with me on that, or are you about to give me the business? Doesn't it trouble you that the Jets did not want to sign him to a long-term deal? (laughs) It is scary. It's like that. I got to tell you, the reason I never eat dollar pizza is because I was downtown once. I actually offered it to a homeless fella who said no. And I was like, if he doesn't want, I, I probably don't want it either. And yes, it probably one of my relatives. <laughs> it was probably Serb. I was playing a little defense there. It was you. <laughs> Didn't you yeah, think my voice I, sounded I, familiar? Thanks for covering. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. But but look, Leonard Williams is not like you said. It's not Lawrence Taylor. Seventeen sacks in five years. He's not an elite pass rusher, and the elite pass rushers get the big money. Now he's a good player. He's twenty-five years old. He's a high-character guy. He'll be beloved in the locker room the way 
uh, by the giant teammates the way his jet teammates loved him. But don't expect him to be a game changer. No, I agree. I agree with that. But what I think he gives you is depth at the position that can ultimately spell other guys on the line and, and gets more French, fresh legs, you know, onto that field, you know, later in games. You know, the one thing the Giants have been plagued with right now is they don't get off the field on third down. Their defense has not gotten off the field. And anything that's going to give them a little more spunk on those third and 11s is something I can get behind. So, I, again, Serbs, I get the concern with the draft picks. But this is, a, to me, a glaring need. You know, would I have liked them to have done something else with the line? Yeah. But I believe we have talent on the line, and it just needs to play better. Well, yeah, it's young, young talent that still has to be developed. But look, Dave Gettleman has to sign Leonard Williams. He wouldn't have made this deal unless he fully intends to sign him. But now Leonard Williams has all the leverage in the world. Oh, he sure does. Um, but I will say this. The last thing on earth he wants to do is go back across the stadium and play for the Jets. So I think we've got him scared straight if the Giants can put together a couple of big wins. Serby, the question on everybody's mind after the breakout performance you had handicapping last Sunday's game is how do we feel about the Giants this week at home getting seven against the Cowboys? Well, it, it, it is a home game, but it's going to sound more like a Cowboys home game. <laughs> uh, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid you and your relatives and uh, your family are going to sell all your giant tickets to <laughs> Cowboys fans. And uh, similar to the, what the Jets experienced when Patriot fans took over the stadium and started chanting Brady, Brady at the end of that game, you're gonna, there's going to be at least – I would guess 20,000 Cowboys fans in that stadium. Yeah, it's going to be a big number. They're riding high. And seven points on the road, it's significant in the NFL. And I want to say something, Serbs. I will show up because I have a soft spot for the city of Dallas. If anyone who's ever been there knows, it inspired one of the most iconic TV shows of all time. That show is called Cops. Have you ever seen some of those hoods in Dallas, Serby? I'm glad this is a home game. I don't want to go anywhere near it. Um... I, I will take the seven. Will you take the seven, Steve Serby? Are we in concert on this? I'm afraid we are, yes. But don't forget, uh, they used to call me Mr. Loser. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Used to. Used to. I don't know about used to, Serby. I think you cheated your tents there. But no, I'm with you. Come on, man. Uh, if we if we can't cover seven at home against the Giants, we, we should disband. We should pull a Beatles, play a, a rooftop concert, and call it a year. Because we should be able to ca cover the Cowboys at home. Cover at home against the, the Cowboys, Cowboys, you of course. Serbs, I'm caffeinated. I'm a married man. I don't get out much. I'm very pumped up this morning. Have you noticed? Yeah, I can tell that, yes. So let me ask you this question. So let me ask you this question. Because a lot of people, like I said, mixed bag on the Leonard Williams sign, on the Leonard Williams trade. Is there any other trade they should have made? Is there any other move the team should have made? Yeah, they should have traded Jackrabbit, which uh, I yeah. think that's one of your nicknames, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not touching that one. <laughs> Yeah, obviously, Gettleman tried to trade him, and there wasn't a, a good enough market to trade him. So they've got their number one corner for the next eight games, and he'll, he'll be an ex-giant next season. It's it's too bad they couldn't they couldn't uh, unload him because he want. I guarantee you, he's sick of losing, um, as as you are. And um, now he's stuck in a losing situation again. No, that's a tough one. I, I think he's looking, uh, you know, like Eli Apple with jealous eyes. Do you remember when Eli, he got traded down to the Saints and got to compete last year? 
before they job them in the playoffs. I, yeah, I definitely think people, you know, want out as much as they want in at this point, Serby. But I know, listen, man, uh, looking at this game, you've got a 4-3 and three Cowboy team that's been back and forth. They blew us out in week one, but let's not forget that they got handled pretty easily by the Jets. That was before Halloween came and Sam Darno started seeing ghosts. But uh, this is a Cowboy team that has been a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde, and it's left the door wide open in the NFC East, as disappointing as the Eagles have been and certainly the Giants. Is there yeah, a but here's a, here's a scary thought for you. Uh-huh. The, the Cowboys are coming off a bye. They've had, they've had two weeks to prepare for the Giants' defense. <laughs> Good gosh almighty. You're talking me off the seven, Serby, is what you're doing. Yeah, but how about your boy Danny Dives? Look what he did in Detroit. He looked great. Can I tell you something? If you remember last week, I said to you, playing in the Meadowlands is so oppressive. It's so challenging. So much weather adversity. And there was uh, against the Cardinals. I thought it would benefit him to be in a controlled environment where, yeah, it was noisy as, as all get out. But he played great. Um, and I, th- I do believe you predicted that. So, uh, so a, a round of applause for you, Steve Serby. Thank you. Do you remember what uh, Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones' son, said back in August? No, of course you don't. Um, he he said uh, regarding Daniel Jones, I hope he's not too good. <laughs> and, um, well, this is the first time that Daniel Jones will face Stephen Jones, no relation, and Jerry Jones. Wow, would you look at that? That's true. We got another Jones. We're keeping up with the Joneses this week. I mean, personally... Based on what I've seen out of the Cowboys, coming off a bye, I'm obviously concerned because they can score all over our defense. Um, But that being said, I have seen enough inconsistency out of them. That is the homer I am. I really am of the mind that we can compete to win this game. I saw signs in Detroit we could have won that game. I mean, yeah, we had a lot of problems defensively. But we were in that game, just the way we were against the Patriots before we fell apart, you know, after the second half. We, we could very well be in this game late. Is there a Steve Serby scenario where the Giants can win this game? Yeah, of course. It's the NFL. But, uh, and don't forget, Sterling Shepard should be back from his concussion. So Daniel Jones, for the first time, will have his full complement of weapons. And lo and behold, last week, Pat Shermer figured out a way or figured it was wise to get the ball to Saquon Barkley in the passing game, targeting Barkley eight times, uh, ten times, sorry. And uh, that's going to be a heck of a matchup, Saquon Barkley versus uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Looking forward to that. That's exciting. That's a big That's a big running back day. It's an old-school NFL matchup. You know, it reminds me of like a, a Barry Sanders-Emmett Smith Monday night football, if you can go back that far. I don't know how good the memory is, Steve Serby. Um, uh, yeah, I go back to Marion Motley, as a matter whoa, of fact. Oh, um, right, you got me there, yeah, pal. You, you that's got before me. your time. No, you definitely was. The actual first running back I cared about um, was Marcus Allen. He was the first marquee talent as a kid because they were in the Super Bowl against the Redskins. And Did, uh, you, was, did you play running back in peewee football? Wow. I, uh, I want to be honest with you. I have bet on a few running backs in peewee football, <laughs> thanks to my son Lincoln Fela, but I didn't actually play running back. I've been this size my whole life, Serby. So it's the same thing with my son. My son is like, uh, we could he's 10, but we could sell him to like a Ukrainian circus for some side cash because he looks like he's 19. So the kids like that just get shoved right on the line. You know, it's unfortunate. They never get to play the skill positions, but uh, it might be for the best. Yeah, no wonder why you've been so scarred uh, over the years. <laughs> hey, speaking of scarred, I know you got to drive down to New Jersey. 
I wish you all the luck in the world, sir, because that is, uh, you really find out what you're made of when you're driving in New Jersey. It's the only state in the world where you signal after you've already made it into the next lane, you know? Just hey, so look, if you keep this up, we're going to have to have a podcasters only meeting. <laughs> Get it? Get it? What I, I see did what there? you did there, Serby. I love it. Well, good luck, man. I mean, I, I really do mean it. Stay focused. The Jersey people are psycho drivers. It is like, it's the, it's the yeah, only I know state. That. We, well, there's psycho drivers everywhere, everywhere but uh, take the points on, on uh, Monday night. Oh, there it is. Steve Serby. All right, perfect. If you guys, if you guys see me next week and I don't have my gold teeth in, it's because Serby let me down. But I feel good yeah, about say, this one, Serby. Regards to, uh, regards to Bavaro. You're damn right. You're damn right. We're excited about him. And we're excited about you, Steve Serby. Have a great week, buddy. You too, Jimmy. Thank you. That was New York Post sports writer Steve Serby joining us now on the phone. Cue the theme song from the Jeffersons because we are moving on up in stature. It's my little dig at Serby. He is a two-time Super Bowl champion, a member of the Giants Ring of Honor, number 89, Mark Bavaro, joins us on Blue Rush. Good morning to you, Mark Bavaro. Good morning. Thanks, man. I had to take a shot at your buddy Steve Serby. He wanted me to tell you hello, but I couldn't do it nicely. You understand? Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, Serb's the best. He deserves a little tough love, though. We run, you know, we run that kind of locker room around here on the Blue Rush Show. Um, we always love to have guys like you on that were so wildly successful with the Giants when we're in the midst of what you know what's been you know kind of an in between season, to put it mildly. Um, first and foremost, before we get into you, do you see some positives in this team? Can you tell a guy like me that there that there's hope? Uh, yeah, I think there's hope. I think the quarterback has shown some, you know, some uh, signs of brilliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's still a rookie. He's, he's, there's a learning curve he's going to have to go through, and it's going to take some time. But I think there's definitely potential. All right, good. No, that's encouraging. And I, I'm with you on that. As I as I watched him play, he, sh- he did show a lot of progress from two weeks ago at home against the Cardinals to last week in Detroit. So I'm with you there. Um, but the big issue, and it's probably a good place to start with this team and certainly your own career, is we've had a lot of problems protecting the quarterback this year. Now, you know, you're considered, you know, probably the greatest blocking tight end in history. Do you think the NFL's trend to get away from the blocking tight end is becoming a liability for quarterbacks like Daniel Jones? I don't know that that's the issue. Uh, And by the way, I was responsible for Phil Simms getting killed many a time. So, uh, you know, I have a reputation as a great blocker, but I certainly have my own uh, letdowns uh, as far as Phil Simms was concerned. Uh, I think it's just it's really a matter of, of protection. I think in the old days, the defenses were kind of uh, stable. They didn't move around a lot, so they were a little easier to scheme. Uh, but today's defenses, sometimes you, you've got everybody standing up. Uh, no one's got their hand on the ground. It's, it's hard to determine who the mic is, and that's, you know, that's how they, they base their protection. Um, so I think it's a it's a lot more um, there's a it's a, it's more difficult to 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 get a protection going. Uh, on top of that, it's it's hard to get a an offensive line that's together that's stable that has good chemistry uh, for any length of time. You know that and that's just the result of free agency today. Yeah, no, I'm with you there, and it's, it certainly is. There's a lot more scheming on the defensive side of the ball, which I think is you know you're asking a lot more of everybody in protection. And, you know, especially with all the audibles and adjustments being made at the line of scrimmage, too. Um, but talking about, you know, defenses, you know, you were a guy who walked into a Giants locker room that had Lawrence Taylor and Harry Carson in it. And Bill Bill Parcells was at the helm. 
Is that an intimidating moment for a Mark Bavaro? Or are you just so locked in on the mission that that it was, you know, it was, it was an easy breezy first day? What was it like for you to walk into that first giant locker room? Uh, it, was, it was very intimidating. You know, not only Lawrence and, um, and Harry, but Kyle Banks, you know, Andy Hedden, Byron Hunt, Gary Reasons. I mean, there was a, a some of the greatest linebackers in NFL history. Uh, it was it, it was very intimidating, but it also um, made me a better player. And, and you know what? I the thing I was going to ask you about that is that those Giants teams were very much teams that did let their play do the talking. So a guy like you who came in and worked his tail off, you know, and brought his A game to every practice and every, and every game, you know, they probably were quick to respect you. Um, did you have a moment where you felt like you had won them over? Yeah, I mean, I, I like to think that um, I earned, you know, their respect uh, my rookie year in camp. Um, you know, you'd have to ask them. I don't really know for sure, but I, I think there was one moment uh, in camp where uh, I went out for a, a little short pass and uh, Lawrence Taylor, you know, blindsided me, knocked me on the ground, almost knocked my teeth out. Oh, gosh. And I, I got up. And I was a little mad because, you know, it was, you know, you sh- I didn't think you should do that to your own teammates, but then I just uh, whipped the ball at his head and he just kind of smiled and, and walked back to the huddle, you know, and, you know, when I was ready for a competition and it, it never came and I said to myself, you know, I think he respects me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a moment man that's i mean i can't imagine how much adrenaline is going through a body for you to whip a football at a guy like lawrence taylor i mean man did you have a moment like five minutes later like i hope we're cool or did you know you guys were cool oh well i think that you know i took that as a sign that we're cool that you know he that i was part of the team that he respected my abilities and that he didn't feel the need to have to teach me a lesson. Wow, that is amazing. And, you know, in that era, um, you know, there were so many stories about what a, ma- you know, master motivator Bill Parcells was in your locker room. And, you know, we hear a lot of them about how good he was at motivating LT. What effect did Bill Parcells have on you as a motivator? Oh, he was a huge motivator. You know, um, a lot of people kind of joke around that, you know, we never spoke. And that's true. You know, we very rarely talk to one another. But, that was all part of, uh, of his way to motivate me. I had had some trouble in college with coaches, you know, and I had, I had a bad reputation as an uncoachable player. Uh, I think it took Bill, you know, it just probably took him a, a little while to figure out what, you know, what buttons to push for me. And when he figured it out, I mean, we were, we were great. And, and what he came to the conclusion was that don't push any of my buttons and we get along just fine. And not only would we get along, but I would go, I would go above and beyond for him because uh, I felt like he was treating me with, with a lot of respect. Um, I think he valued my abilities and he would compliment me. And that wasn't something that I had uh, received in the past. And, you know, for me anyways, you know, positive reinforcement was, was great. But for a lot of guys, you know, negative reinforcement was what really got lit the fire under their ass and got them going. Um, and I was just the opposite. The more you yelled at me, the less I did play it. And um, he was smart enough to realize that. That's wild. So you never had to whip a football at Bill Parcells? 
<laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just checking. You know, I know. You know, I know. I know you run hot when you come out of the huddle, which I respect. Um, I got to ask you this about uh, t- you know today's game. You you were a guy who famously had a reputation for playing hurt. You played through a lot of pain, and that was the you know one of the biggest you know credentials you had. You know, along with all the other great things you did on the field. Rob Gronkowski, who's retired from the Patriots said this week he would come back to the NFL. He would unretire if the league legalized, um, you know, uh, some type of CBD oil that would help people deal with chronic pain. Are you doing anything like that to treat your, you know, post-playing career? <laughs> well, he's also involved in a CBD oil company. Oh, you don't so, say. I, mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't know that, Mark. That's really funny. I didn't know that. No, look at, uh, yeah, look at, means- look at Gronk. If it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. I get it. Yeah. There might be some subtext to that, but um, I agree with them. I mean, there, there should be some way to, to deal with the pain, but I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I forgot what the question was. Oh, do, am I dealing with anything? Yeah. I mean, the way I dealt with it, I just had a knee, knee replacement or a shoulder replacement this winter. Uh, you know, I got to the point where I just couldn't take uh, the pain anymore. And that's what they say for replacements. You know, it's not a matter of how bad things are. It's just a matter of how, how bad you're dealing with them. No, I get it. Um, and and uh, listen, dur- go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying, but during the, my playing days, you know, I mean, you had ice, you had some, you had some painkillers, you had Tylenols. I mean, but, you know, for the most part, everybody's hurting. Uh the fact that he, he would say something like that is, I, I think it's it's more trying to pump up publicity for his company. More, more self-serving. Um, but it is, you know, it's, yeah. an, it's an issue that hits home for me. Um, I am a, almost an expert on pain because I'm a Knicks fan. So I've, I've, I do. There's been a lot of suffering in the Fela house over the course of the years. Uh, we trade our souls to get one 1986 for our Knicks the way we got for our Giants and, of course, in 1990. Here's a question for you. Uh, the 19, the Super Bowl against the Bills, the second Super Bowl championship that you won, which by many people is considered to be the greatest Super Bowl ever played. Um, obviously, controlling the clock and keeping that K-Gun offense off the field was the impetus for you guys getting that game, to, you know, get, winning that game. Um, going into a game like that, were you being, you know, talked to specifically within the game plan about what you guys were going to be doing to run clock, or was it just business as usual and we were going to run clock? Yeah, it was for us for the offense. It was business as usual because that was our that was our philosophy all year. You know, we were a ball control, um, eat up the clock, and kick field goals. I mean, we didn't score very many points. We didn't air out the ball. Uh, I think the leading receiver on the uh, team that year was um, I, I'm not sure Baker or yeah, I believe or, it was, um, I think it was Stephen Baker. I think it, I think it was Stephen like, Baker. Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, and he and he had like 36 catches. You know what I mean? I was second, and I had I think 34 or 35. So I mean, we we weren't really throwing the ball that that much. Um, so th- there was no different for us. But it was a it was a departure for the defense. Uh, and that was where the genius of Bill Belichick came into play. And by letting uh, Thurman Thomas uh, just kind of run roughshod over the defense and, and really control Kelly and the receivers and the passing game, and it worked out. Yeah, it was, it was, it was brilliant. I mean, it, but as, as matchups go, I, I would imagine, you know, facing a team that had just taken down the Raiders 51-3 to in the AFC Championship game seemed a little bit daunting. But what I wanted to ask you is, you know, when you're lining up on the line of scrimmage, number got your number 89 jersey on, who was the player uh, you, you hated to face the most? 
Well, it depends on what position you're talking about. You know, um, if, if I was blocking a linebackers, you know, Andre Tippett was from the Patriots was always the guy that I, I, I dreaded the most. But fortunately, I never really had to play against him. But I only think we played against him maybe twice in my career. Uh, D. Lyman was obviously Reggie White, you know, which I had to face him a bunch of times. And, you know, people, a lot of people say, and, and Belichick says this too, that I, I blocked him. And I, you know, I think I did okay against him, but I certainly didn't ever control the guy. I mean, he threw me around like a rag doll many times. Uh, and then the, in the secondary, you know, Ronnie Lott was, was obviously one of the best, but there was another guy named Lonnie Young from the Cardinals who, who was, who was a great one. Wow, that's that's funny, and I gotta ask you this too: Who, um, because you come from an era that I consider to be the golden age of on-field smack talk. Um, who talked the most smack on the field when you were on the field? Um, everyone kind of had their own little way. I remember Tim Harris from the from the Packers. He was he was a big talker, but he would he would do it like conversationally, you know. So it was it was it was nice, and while well, he was you know degrading you, but. Yeah, but everybody was F U F this, F that. I mean, that just, it was just, and I, and I was like that too. It was just everybody <laughs> just talk like that. <laughs> it's really funny because I feel, I feel like the league has gotten friendlier. Like pro sports in general have gotten friendlier. I grew up as a Yankee fan watching them hate the Red Sox. You were in Massachusetts. I assume you were a Red Sox fan, right? Yeah, of course, and, and and the and the era of teams that squared off against each other weren't friends. They didn't meet behind second base before every game and talk about playing in each other's charity bowling matches. They just beat each other. There was a lot of hard slides. There were a lot of fist fights. Do you think the camaraderie in the league now is affecting the quality of play? Uh, well, that's a good question. You know, I don't I don't know if it's affecting the quality of play, but it's it's definitely. Uh, affecting the dynamic of of the game between opponents. With free agency, you know, these guys, a lot of these guys have already have been teammates with one another from previous teams, you know, whereas in, in my day, you know, you usually went to one team and you, you stayed there. And you never got to know the other people. So you never really personalized the other, the, your opponents. But um, these guys know each other. They hang out. Uh, the quality of, the, yeah, the quality of play, I think, is just the, is, is the result of the same, same deal is, is free agency. I mean, I, I think you can't, it's hard to build a cohesive team and keep them together for very long. I mean, football is 53 guys. That's a lot of, that's a lot of personalities you got to deal with to try to get them all on the same page and working together for any length of time. Um, and not only do you not get to have guys together, you're, the, the pay disparity is, is amazing. You, you know, you're paying guys, one guy's making, you know, 800 grand or 400 grand, which is still a lot of money. I'm not saying it's not a lot of money, but, you know, playing next to a guy who's making 50 million, you know, I mean, that, that that's hard to, to, to go together. And in my day, uh, you know, Lawrence Taylor was by far the highest paid guy. He was making about a million, maybe a million and a half when everybody else was making, you know, a couple hundred thousand, you know, 300, 400,000. So, I mean, the, the, the difference wasn't that big, um, you know, and, and to, I don't know how guys do it. If I, if I was playing next to a guy that was making $20 million more than me and was basically doing the same job, I think there'd be a little animosity and uh, it'd be hard to, it'd be hard to think of ourselves as a, as a cohesive unit. Yeah, that's, diff- that is difficult. Another thing I think that's made it so divisive is social media 
because their people have different takes on it. But it's encouraged a lot of antics and that, you know, a lot of people are acting out for attention. Would you be a social media guy if you were playing today or would you steer, steer clear of it? <laughs> I don't think I'd be a social media guy at all. I don't understand social media, but I think that's just, you know, product of my age. Um, maybe I'd be the biggest social media guy if I had grown, grown up with it, but I, I kind of doubt it. Um, I don't, I don't understand what these guys do. I, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand the, the need for attention and the need to tell everybody and let everybody know what you're doing every minute of the day. <laughs> but you know, Kids, kids today. Yeah, that's what it is. We sound like now. Now we're the two old men telling the kids to get off our lawn. You know. Yeah. (laughs) Is there is there a is there a Halloween costume for for a Mark Bavaro or no? You're just handing out full sizes behind the door. Yeah, nobody even comes to my house. I don't. I don't even turn the light on. (laughs) So you've gone from an offensive player to a defensive player in your post playing (laughs) days. I get it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just living in a neighborhood. Nobody comes here. So yeah, it's Halloween's like, kind of a thing of the past. And my kids are all grown, but we had fun when when the kids were little. We we did it up. I loved Halloween. Yeah, well, no, yeah, I got to tell you this. My I, my my son was telling me today he doesn't want to trick or treat because it's raining out. And I'm like, dude, you're going. When I was a kid, <laughs> Mark, Mark, I would have trick or treated in Lebanon if the sniper gave me a full size Snicker bar. You know? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who the I don't know who these kids are, but they're, but they're going soft on me, and we need to toughen them up if we're going to turn this giant season around. Just a couple more things we have the uh we get the cowboys coming into town monday night um obviously you know the marquee matchup is obviously the two young quarterbacks and two young you know running backs we've got ezekiel elliott and saquon barkley um is there a player in the nfl uh on either of these teams or anywhere in the nfl that is a mark bavaro in your eyes someone someone that you see a lot of yourself in uh yeah there's one guy well, i haven't really watched him this year very very much so i i, I might be wrong, but I watched him last year. This guy named George Kittle, who's a tight end for the 49ers. Uh, I like the way he plays, and I like the way uh, Ingram plays here for the for the Giants as well. I mean, I'll give a shout out to, to the Giants tight end. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, he's been great. Um, do, do you uh, do you know this? The tight ends are so much more involved in the passing game, and obviously you're a great receiving t- tight end, great blocking tight end. Um, would you enjoy playing in this era where they can't really defend you guys? Uh, you know, so much as, you know, in your era, the defenses were a lot more aggressive. There were a lot less pass interference flags. What kind of numbers does a Mark Bavaro put up in this day and age? Well, it's hard to say. May I might not have put up any numbers, you know, who, who knows? But um, I, I, it certainly would be a different game for me because uh, the line play, the in-line play, hand on the ground, you know, your, your opponent, you know, two inches away from your face type of thing, smashing off football. I mean, that was basically, you know, to me, 75, 80% of the game. You know, the, the, the receiving part of it was icing on the cake. Um, and now it's all, it's all frosting. You know, I, I don't know if I would get sick of eating that much uh, frosting <laughs> at once. No, you you know you're right about that, man. It could you know could be too much of a good thing, is what I would say. Uh, that being said, uh, this was not too much of a good thing, Mark Bavaro. This is fantastic, man. I really appreciate you coming by, hanging out with us. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Uh, rock and roll. We'll be by later to trick or treat. You have a great day. All right. That's it for this episode of Blue Rush. Thanks to our producer Jake Brown for making it all happen. Game ball to you. Uh, To hear the latest Blue Rush episodes, be sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. You can find more Giants news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting NewYorkPost.com. We'll be back on Tuesday with the latest from the Giants as we recap their game at MetLife against the Cowboys. We'll see you then.